0: The millennial Way, a podcast made for the on the go millennial, giving you tips and advice on how to up level your career, teaching you the things they don't teach you in school. When they ask why, just tell them it's the Millennial Way. Here's your host, Chase Coleman. y'all welcome back to another episode of the millennial way i shoot i keep saying i'm so excited you guys know how much i love absolutely love doing this and if you don't know how much i do talk to any of my friends because they'll tell you that i'm way too busy i'm working all the time i got a bunch of stuff going on but you know what i'm here i got a glass of cabernet Sauvignon. if anyone could actually help me pronounce how to actually say this I'd be so grateful. Every time, I mean, I, I love red wine, y'all. Absolutely love red wine. And it doesn't matter if it's a Malbec, a Syrah, a Cab, whatever it may be. But every time I go to a restaurant, I'm always like, yeah, um, which one do you recommend? Or what? what's your favorite uh wine? And again, I'm not looking for the most expensive wine. Now, typically the most expensive wine is the best, sure. But it doesn't, it doesn't stay within budget within that case. So, I'm always asking, and I'll tell you guys this too, no waiter or waitress has ever been able to tell me how to pronounce Cabernet, Savon Yon, Savon Blanc, Savon, Savon something. Um, But anyways, enough about that rant. So if you guys know how to actually pronounce it, shoot me an email, give me a call, shoot me a text, because please, I need to know how to pronounce this. So I got 2 chains on in the background, his new album is banging. I'm a huge fan, by the way. I heard... Some people at work were saying that they, they thought that they were hearing that this might be album of the year or whatever it may be. And quite frankly, I haven't listened to it all the way through so far, but it is vibe y'all like, Ooh, every, every morning driving into work. Now I got this bad boy on that or Kalani. I'm not going to lie. Her new album is unreal. And I'm a huge fan of any type of R and B or hip hop. But with all that being said, our topic today is near and dear to my heart, almost as near and dear as hip-hop and R&B are to me. Growing up in Atlanta, I got to grow up during a really fun time where T.I. was becoming big, Ludacris was big, Outkast was big. A lot of cool hip-hop guys in Atlanta were awesome. And honestly, it taught me so much about the diverse thought that people can have and the way that people can think differently and have different backgrounds, but still be able to connect with someone, which is why I think I'm a huge fan of Drake, right? Like, Jake Drake is... Drake is Canadian, he's always been able to connect with me on an emotional level just from his music, and I thought that it was so cool that, you know, it made me really ponder about diversity and inclusion within the workplace, and sure, like, you guys might be wondering, like, well, how does Drake tie into diversity and inclusion, but for me, he always talks about, like, man, I'm light-skinned, but I'm still a dark bleep, or whatever it may be, and, you know, the differences between light skins and dark skins, and that's something that I actually went through when I was growing up, but... A lot of people within the workplace don't even understand the differences within the black community, and I really wanted to help drive understanding within all communities to help bring a diversity of thought, a diversity of, and inclusion of, of differences, of backgrounds, or whatever it may be. So I brought this special, special guest on today, Patharaju. She actually worked on my team on when we were on the sales planning side of the Nestle Starbucks Coffee Department. Division, whatever you want to call it, but Ash is a freaking amazing person, and I cannot wait to get her on here. So much that I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna end this now, guys. Let's get ready for this interview. Ash, thank you so much for joining. Ash, thank you so much for joining us today. How how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on, Chase. Um, I have really enjoyed every single conversation we've had starting from the one before I joined the team which was all about the team and getting to know you so it's been it's been a pleasure and I'm really excited to be here.
0: Oh man, it's it's been such a fun fun ride I'd say and we've been through a lot, you know, having gone through the struggles of working in a very very high performing and quite frankly a team that's seen as quote unquote business experts, right? And then transitioning mm-hmm. from Starbucks over to Nestle and going through that whole What does this mean? What the hell is this? Like, so I'm switching companies now and having to work through that and just, I mean, shoot, like, and and now, like, working on diversity and inclusion together and really being able to help drive more diversity within the Nestle company, right, within our division. And it's been, I'd say it's been a fun journey.
1: Absolutely. I think um, exactly as you've said I think especially since the whole change kicked in and since we um, became Nestle Starbucks, I've, I know it's been a, a time of great tumult and a lot of um, uncertainty and ambiguity, but you know from working on our team that that's, that's sort of how we roll. Um, exactly. I would go so far as to say being able to manage uh, through change is I think such a key skill today, right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And today, I want to really touch on, first off, I mean, Ash is an awesome person to work with. Like, if you guys ever had the opportunity to work in the same company, same team, like anywhere around her, it's something that you want to do. And I'll I'll tell you guys this. It's, It's the truth. And I'll tell you guys this. From the beginning, when you walk into our office, you'll realize that there's not a lot of diversity. And... It's okay. It is okay. Like, it's not like it's a big problem, but it is something that both Ash and I are on a, I'd say, a mission to fix. And Ash, I would love to get your perspective on what it's like being a minority and also being a minority woman in a majority white male dominated industry. I mean, it's not just Nestle that has, you know, a great amount of white males, but every CPG company for that matter. And, we really want to yeah. be at the forefront of it and changing that. But I would love your perspective on what it's like to be a minority and a woman working in this industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to start with a little bit of um, what I did before I came to CPG with, because I think it helps set the context for um, the level of of difference and shock that you can experience walking into a, a much more traditional industry like CPG. I worked in yeah. – in, consulting, and I worked in strategy and tech consulting for the longest time in my career. I took a sabbatical for more of it. So I worked with um, Deloitte and Wipro, which are two um, pretty big firms in the field that we work in. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And that was, and I think being part of a consulting environment um, definitely forces the organization itself to be more leading edge. So I found that while I was in Deloitte, for instance, we had um, a pretty robust um, women's initiative. We had pretty robust um, minority and um, other kinds of diversity like LGBTQ inclusion practices. And there were employee um, networks and resource groups. And it was pretty um, important for the organization itself. And, And Deloitte can be... Somewhat uh, traditional too, but I think as a consulting organization, there it was sort of imperative for them to try and find a way to bring that mission of diversity to life. That's interesting. So com- c- coming from that, I took I took a year. Um, I went back to school, and I talked while I was in school. And I think universities tend to be among the most diverse places you can find, even even when you're in Arkansas or in Indiana. Um, which are the two places that I taught. So I ended up teaching classes that were a good mix of both um, both male and female students, a good mix of I always had a couple of students that were uh, students of color that were minorities. Um, and I also had, which I didn't think about until I met these couple of students, I taught one semester a couple of students who were older and non-traditional. They were returning to school. <clears throat> which I think wow, makes okay. it right. Um, so it definitely gives it a different perspective because you're talking to someone that potentially is older than you and that's seen more of life than you have. Um, and just being set up in that way to listen to different voices, to be present for different perspectives. I think yeah. walking into CPG was a little bit of a a little bit of a jolt to the system. So I found Absolutely. that right, thank you. Um I found that specifically with the bigger C P G companies, um, it tends to be a lot of legacy in the company, whether that's um and I think each company has its own culture and a lot of a lot of them are trying to um evolve as things go, as we're seeing with Nestle, Starbucks, for instance, there's so much work that um, we're able to do with leadership support around diversity and inclusion. Um, I think, uh, despite that, the legacy of being in um, a sort of boys' club—that's um, a little reductive, yes. but you know, like the people that have um, that have the same sort of interests, that have the same sort of um, Approach to selling, there are good old boys that, you know, goes together. um, Absolutely. They'll look and sound the same. I think that's very much a culture that is core to CPG.
0: I I don't disagree. And I I also would say that, you know, to reiterate what you were saying, it's more around the fact that it's about like comfortability, right? Like people Mm -hmm. feel more comfortable hiring others who, like you said, have the same interests, like to do the okay. same things, might like to have the same types of drinks outside of work, right? Like whatever it may be, but it ends up being people who end up looking more like you because of just the way that they grew up, their background. And like you said, the legacy of what they, where they came from. So it's not saying yep. that it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's kind of like changing the way that people think about hiring and how they should look at different uh, perspectives and how people should, not just be willing to hire someone because they're going to agree with them but be willing to hire someone because they're going to think differently and push back on them which is inevitably going to make the business grow and better.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Chase. Um I would say my the first company that I worked with was um I started out on the Walmart business within this within uh CPG. Um and I worked with Unilever for yeah uh, and they were um they they are a very european company in the way that they operate mm-hmm. so there is i think a little bit of flexibility to the kind of people they um hire and promote and i think my first exposure to to new um and to the possibility that you could have a workplace that that didn't look deeply different than you um where you didn't constantly feel like an outsider. I think that was at Unilever. And it was because I'd seen um, a couple of videos that was shared on an internal network, and I got in touch with someone that led the Pride Network for Unilever. Um, And we got to talking, and um, another mentor passed that and put me in touch with New, which, is an organization that was founded by by women. Um, I'm going to misspeak here, but I want to say sometime in the 60s, uh, a handful okay. of women from, from Deloitte and from um, P&G and some of these other big, um, big brands in that space, in the yeah. consumer goods space specifically, and said we need to be able to count on each other and support each other because there is nobody else like us. Um, within this industry. So she had put me, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she put me in touch with a couple of new uh, events. So New has a very, very active chapter down in Um And I got introduced to both New and to the internal pride network within Unilever, And, and, and that made me, I think, um, gave me some hope for the direction in which um, – CPG
0: and consumer
1: goods
0: and workplaces in general are moving. And how Um, that hope that you have right there, Ash, I'm going to stop you real quickly. You said something that's really, really important to me is the fact that it gave you hope for the future, right? Saying that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I can now see a place for me at a leadership level. I could see myself being a CEO of a big CPG company. And how important would you say, like for me, just knowing that there's change coming right that we could be at the forefront is enough for me to see myself in the future as a future ceo and like you said giving me that hope but how how important is that hope to you and that confidence in yourself to say i can now see myself as someone leading and being this because it may not have happened in the past but i can see myself doing that in the future are you getting are you getting what i'm saying
1: Yes, I think it's. I mean, you are a hundred percent spot on. I think that hope is everything. It's very important because um, the way I think about diversity and inclusion, um, and you've heard me say this before, I think, I think diversity is like inviting everyone to the dance. Yes. And inclusion is making sure they're not just all there and standing around sticking to the walls, but actually on the dance floor and making sure that everyone feels like this is something they can move and groove to. Um, and I think I the that. inclusion portion of it does not happen without allies, without support around you, whether that's peers or or mentors or sponsors or advocates within your organization. Um, so I think that, that hope um, comes from people who are already in positions of privilege and possibly power, um, looking around them and, and saying, you know what, let me give you a hand up here. Because I can yeah. see that although you don't look like everyone else and don't you don't look like me, but I can see that you have a different set of skills that works just as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I I agree wholeheartedly. I think that you've hit on so many great and valid points. And one thing you've also mentioned was the importance of networks, right? You talked about the Pride Network at Unilever. You talked about the new network, which is the Network of Executive Women. and. I'd love to kind of switch gears and talk about these because these are I'm, – I'm so interested in these because when I worked on the Starbucks side of things, I was a part of the Starbucks Black, uh, Black Partner Network, and we just call partners yep. employees, right? And yep. when I was a part of that group, it made me feel included and included in a group of people immediately, right? Now, when I first walked into Starbucks, I, I never felt like I was discriminated against. I never felt like there was anything wrong with me. But I could easily tell in working in a group of, I, I mean, my group at, when I first started was 90% women, and I was pretty much the only guy, and then we also had another guy on our team who was gay. And that's, again, not that I have a problem with that, but we just didn't have the same interests, right? And yeah. the Black Partner Network allowed me to think that, first off, my thoughts aren't crazy. <laughs> Everything that I'm thinking is very valid, and it's it's fair. And, I mean, working in a corporate workplace is emotional, and I believe that these networks really, truly help you set your emotions not necessarily to the aside but recognize your emotions and recognize that they are okay to be thinking and feeling that but it's also allowing you to really truly become a professional within who it is that you are personally right like my genetic makeup is black white i, I don't i i'm mixed with an, a bunch of stuff i'm i'm a mutt but i'm accepted into the group of black partners because there's all of us are come from something that of similarity which means that we are all minorities in a place of a majority and not enough and not enough and this isn't about me but i would love to hear about your experience with new your experience with the pride network and also how they've helped you kind of flourish into the person and the professional that you are today
1: yeah absolutely um where do we start um so i think i want to go back to 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 Jill, who is who is someone uh, that I knew, who introduced me to New. She's one of my mentors. She's someone that I absolutely respect. But we couldn't be further uh, different people than we already are. Um, she's okay. older. She's been around um, the CPG industry for all <laughs> her life. She's someone that, um, that that's very southern. That that grew up in the South. That loves Living there does not, she lives um, right outside of, uh, she lives in Texas actually. Um, She loves her family, she's, you know, straight as they come. Um, She is, (laughs) she's also, I think, very good at being um, truly intersectional. Um, What I mean is, I think that our world, the world around us, Chase, is always wherever you look, there's going to be difference. We don't all live in a black and white world. we don't all live in oh, yeah. you know these are just the four colors or the four boxes, and you have to fall into these boxes i think um, I think we live in spaces that are intersectional um so you know, like you are both. Um, when specifically, even in your team right now, you are one of the only men on that team. You are a younger professional than most of the people you're surrounded by. You are um, you're a minority in terms of race. You are um, you may be a majority in other ways in terms of experience, for instance, in marketing or um, In terms of ability, and you're not a disabled person, you are someone that has full ability of their, and is able to go through life as an able-bodied human. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think for all of us that is true. I think all of us have some strengths and some places of, of strength and privilege, and some places that are not, where some places of difference that make us feel like you were describing, sort of isolated from the teams around us, or the people around us. Um, Absolutely. So for me, I think being part of being part of these, or being exposed to these networks, right? Because before I moved to Seattle, um, I participated in you, but I didn't necessarily lead any of the functions in you. That's only happened since I moved to Seattle. Um mm-hmm. So I think being having exposure to it, having seeing that there are both people that care that are like you and people that care that may not look like you or talk like you or act like you, but that are able available to help, that are available if you only... This is one of my most favorite things about you, right? Like we've talked about this endlessly as well. I think one of the things that I've learned from you is just reaching out to people and saying, hey, let me grab a coffee with you and get to know you. Um, not because I think I can use your content, but let me get to know your perspective. It may yeah. be different than mine, but it's so valuable. We each get one life. I think the only it's way to, fun. yeah, yeah, the only way to make it, make the most of it, is to be able to pause, take a couple of cup of coffee and listen to these these varied perspectives that you're being offered at any given time.
0: Oh yeah, no, you're spot on. And one thing that I think is is that's that's amazing about what you just said is the fact that it's more about enjoying going to work, right? I I've Mm -hmm. never been the type of person, and I, I believe this to be true with you as well that. I don't like just walking into work and keep putting my head down, having my headphones in and not speaking to anybody around me. I mean, we're surrounded by thousands of people daily. And I the one thing that I never liked doing is walking around feeling like a stranger to everybody. And that's where, for me, like it stemmed, I was like, I just want to get to know people. I mean, first off, I'm one of the youngest people here. I can learn from so many different people because I'm definitely not the smartest. Everyone does great work around me. I'm, I'm working with so many smart individuals. Like, why would I not try to become your friend? You know what I'm saying? And I think that's something that gets kind of lost within the corporate environment is that we all have to work together. Shoot. We spend more time at work with the people that we see every, every single day, Monday through Friday, than we do with our own families Then you get to spend by yourself. So you have to, in my opinion, make that, that experience enjoyable, because like you said, we only have one life and, the last thing I want to do is be on my deathbed when I'm, you know, however old I am. And I look back on my life and I start thinking, damn, like I wasted so much time at work because I was fulfilling my, myself and getting my work done and and achieving my goals and and working towards my goals. But I didn't get to know anybody around me, or I didn't think differently because no one, I, I didn't get to know Ash, or I didn't get to know Luke, or I didn't get to know anybody that was around me. And that was something that I always feared And to Mm -hmm. your point, it's like, let's just connect over a cup of coffee. It's as simple as sitting down, having a cup of coffee, being vulnerable enough to let people know enough about you to make them feel comfortable, right? You don't have to tell them your entire life story, but let them know enough about you. So that way they feel comfortable coming to you about anything. And I, that's one thing that I've always kind of taken pride in. and, And I think you do a fantastic job of it, Ash, is just being able to break those barriers with people and, say, like, hey, I'm here, you're here, we're going to have to work together regardless, so let's make this fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, spot on, spot on. Um, I think, too, right, like, what, the more we think about this and the more work we've been doing on on getting diversity and inclusion set up on the NSE side of things, um, the more I realize that we're not alone. I think even people that I've, I've historically thought of as, oh, my gosh, like, you are literally everyone else right now, um I think even people that are in the majority can often feel isolated because of i don't know you name it because they they have the same that they're struggling with because um they're not they don't feel like they have a space to speak. I think everyone goes yeah. through that, and for me, the value in doing diversity and inclusion work in in it's such an honor to be able to like set that up from the ground up right because it allows um our extended field partners and people that are not physically in the same offices as us to Mm -hmm. still reach out and belong
0: absolutely absolutely and as we talk about like these networks right and we're we're in a unique situation where we get to build from the ground up, right? We Mm -hmm. were both pegged to be on the diversity and inclusion committee. With that being said, I'd love to understand kind of where your head is with the network of executive women. Now that you're leading the Seattle chapter, right? Like what are your thoughts on how that plays into a corporation as big as Nestle? And right. Like we're only working on the, what we call the Nestle Starlux side of it, which only encompasses, I don't know, like a thousand people or a little bit less, but Mm what are your thoughts on how you can build it from the ground up and then make it important enough for people to continue to be involved? Because I'm a, as you know, like i I've, I've gotten involved with the network of executive women now. I, and I'm excited Me. to learn more perspective from the women's side, because like I said yeah. to, to you in our first committee meeting, I saw everything from my own perspective and what my quote unquote problems were, but never have been able to see it from the women's side, especially from a minority women's side. And now that I've seen that, I'm like, you know what, this isn't just about me and helping other black people out. This is about me and helping all minorities and all people of races and ethnicities and helping really help shape it for the future of whatever it is that's coming with NSC. And for me, I just don't want anybody who's in college or younger to look at us and say, man, there's not a spot for me. I'm not even going to apply. So with all of that being said, where do you see the future of the network of executive women going for You know, for first off, NSC, and then second, I would say the entire city of Seattle, which is a predominantly white male tech industry.
1: (laughs) That's a great point. Um, So let's start with the first part of that question. I think um, the new New has different chapters. New is headquartered in Chicago. Um, I'm. I think they were officially incorporated um, only in the 2000s. Um, Okay. So they're, they're relatively new. They're, they started out as a consumer products-focused group, which, are, like I said, by, like way back when, about 20 years before that, people had started mm-hmm. out um, coming together. Women specifically in mm-hmm. consumer goods had started coming together and, and, and saying, hey, you know what, let's help each other out here. Um, so given that origins, I think historically news has always been consumer goods-focused. Um what I see is that there are some. There, there have always been some chapters of new that are much better funded and have much better representation because funds are always locally raised. Chapters are locally run, so a place okay. like Arkansas or Minneapolis or Cincinnati, right, which are all big CPG hubs, they tend to have huge participation from buyers and suppliers and retailers. But a place like the PAC Northwest, which, as you rightly pointed out is is a very um very tech focused place um doesn't have that much consumer goods representation well, it kind of does now with amazon, but start they're not a traditional c p g um So I think what's happened is the Pacific Northwest is a young chapter, but I think we found ways to reach out to um, Amazon. So we have a few Amazon members now, Visa, which is a FinTech company for the most part, and we have Visa in the fold now. But that's also being driven by ways in which new headquarters is evolving because – I, and I think this will be continue to be important for new's relationship with organizations like Nestle. Um, new has come to a place where I think they're trying to partner with um, minority networks that are not new. They're trying to partner with parent networks. I think their most recent is the Mom Project, which um, is clearly okay. like uh, working mothers. Um, network that exists outside of you, but they're partnering with them because there are so many groups of people trying to work towards the same goal. Um, I think, and this is where my hope comes from. I think, I think all of these external pressures um, will move organizations in the right direction because you know, cause some of who's pushing this is people like you and me, and you know, people that are younger, people that are. Asking the why and people that are um, that are sometimes seen as radical, but sometimes also able to influence without authority, um, and I think that's that's where the energy for new is going to come from. Um, so I will say, in the last year that I've been involved with the Pacific Northwest, um, I'm the co-chair for programming in the Pacific Northwest, um, yeah. and I know. We're a super small group of people. We have maybe 10 volunteers, 15 on a good day. Um, But we put together some really successful events. So we had one on allyship, and this year's team is personal branding. So we just did an event on personal branding. Um, We're going to be – and these events are usually – open. We're trying to make them more accessible to younger um, university-going students. So We have a college outreach program in place right now that we're just building from the ground up. So I think um, to answer the first part of your question, I think all of these waves of change that we are seeing in society are pushing both large organizations like Nestle and auxiliary ones like New in the direction of inclusion in the direction of let's get a diverse true diversity of perspectives not just check the box diversity but a true understanding of what it means to have a diverse working environment. <laughs> um i the second part of your question um i think tell me if you want me to answer this a different way, but um, the way I think about it is there's always a business case for diversity.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: I think it's not just, you don't just involve minority men and women in the workforce because it's great for the numbers or out of the kindness of your heart. Um, you do it because diversity and studies prove this, um, diversity drives innovation. And you know what the biggest bets in any industry are right now? Innovation. Innovation is where all the (laughs) growth is going to come from.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can continue to deliver on your base business all day. However, we need innovation or else we're never going to get bigger, better, or or anything of that sort. We're not going to be as great as we can be.
1: Yep, and and it doesn't have to be. I mean, even with your base business, right, Chase? Like maybe maybe the answer is not innovation as in let's make functional coffees, which is valuable work, but maybe it's innovation like let's go sell in X outlet that's focused to X X community because we haven't done that before, because it still means that that's a market that's open to you for business.
0: Oh, yeah, you know what? That actually reminds me of a great talk that Al um, Carey, the CEO of Pepsi, gave us at last year's global conference when he yep. said how he was down in the plant, he was just doing a tour, and one of the workers, one of the line workers, people who work on packaging, and someone who who makes an hourly wage, right? And not saying that that's a bad thing, but this guy was not typically one who is able to serve up um, opinions or marketing efforts or innovation. But Al actually, st- or that guy, stopped Al Carey, and told him that they they were missing a huge market on the Latino market with Hot Cheetos, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Al was like, well, well, then if you if you can come into our office, like, how about you help us develop that? Because if you're saying that, you know, Latinos, especially down in Texas, around the Mexico area, and all the way through Latin America, are if we're missing this, this can help us greatly. And then that guy ended oh. up creating hot Cheetos and then becoming one of the most successful marketers to work at PepsiCo. And to me, it's just exactly what you said. It's not a matter of innovating based on like, like you said, functionality or what like everyone is saying, but there could be a potential market that companies are missing out on because they're not putting their efforts there. And maybe because they don't have the diversity and inclusion to include all, all different markets that, give them an understanding of what they're missing or what they could be potentially um, yeah. gaining off of. Yeah. And now flamin' hot Cheetos is something that I think every single person has at least heard of, if not tried. And quite frankly, like I buy them more often than not. So it's 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 amazing <laughs> what diversity and inclusion can do for a company like you were saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I I think it's exactly that. So from a from a um internal diversity inclusion perspective, I uh, I I think um, where I see it going is I see it becoming part of um, part of the way companies do business, part of the way companies hire. Because you know, you know what's really off-putting as a candidate, and I think companies are starting to recognize this too, um, is when you're a young person or an old person. Or- you're a person that's different in some way. You're you're a minority. You're you're a young black man that's just graduated and gone into an interview. If you're only being interviewed by a bunch of white men, you're definitely going to it's going to give you a pause. Now I've oh, yeah. spoken to a couple of my female friends that have gone into the workforce for interviews and said, "Wait a second, like I, I didn't want to work in a company where." you can't find a woman to talk to me for an interview. Like that's a problem.
0: Oh yeah. I agree. I agree.
1: So I think some of that is going to drive a lot of uh change in in the way that people work. It's gonna be slow. I think I think um I struggle with this often. I struggle with the pace of change. Um because when I I think when you see the value in something, you want everyone to see its value in the same time. You want it to pay out in a way that everyone can see at the same time. Um but but the problem with problem of course. But the challenge with working with a truly diverse organization is is you're not gonna have everyone see the exact same thing that you were seeing in the timeline oh, yeah. that you're seeing and organizations will be slow and change will occur, but it'll, it won't be on the timeline that you want it to.
0: That's true. Uh, that's, that's very valid. And one thing I think that's even that's valid about what you just said again, is the fact that change takes time, right? It's a hiring process. We're not going to get it right every single time. And, you know, being a minority in a workplace where it's very apparent that we're minorities, I think it's accepting the fact that change is going to take time but the one thing that makes it feel a little bit better is seeing the intentionality from leaders to make yep. this a priority right every time we sit in a I committee um, meeting i always feel inspired by the way that our executive sponsor talks about how oh well our president is always asking us what is the dni committee doing like what is the diversity and inclusion committee doing? How are they driving diversity and inclusion? Like what can we do to help support them? And yep. for me, that's yep. something that helps give hope again, because of the fact that it's like, okay, we may not be seeing these changes happen now or in the next three months or in the next five to six months. But I'll tell you what, if it, if this change doesn't start happening within a year, if I don't start seeing a little bit of a change, then you're gonna start hearing from me because yep. I'm working my mm-hmm. butt off to make this happen. We, I'm sorry, not not me, We are working our butts off to make this happen, everybody on the committee. And if this change is going to take patience, right, we have to be patient with it, but we also have to be attacking it with full tenacity because almost as if the change were to happen tomorrow because it's that important to us, and if it's important to to our leadership, then we need to make this happen. And with all of that being said, I, I think we are going to make this happen, right? We are going to make this change happen, and we will see the genetic makeup of and of Nestle Starbucks coffee and other um, CPG companies change, but it's got to take courage and a lot of hope in order to get there. And the last question that I have for you, Ash, is that courage, right? Like I think everybody gains courage from a different place. And when speaking about diversity and inclusion, especially in a corporate environment, it's sensitive. And a lot of people get kind of nervous they think about their problems and they don't necessarily want to speak up because you don't want to be that person in the room that's like, oh, well, I got a problem, I got a problem, I got a problem. And, yep. you know, it's it's there's a strategic way to go about talking about that, sure, but inevitably I'm really curious about what made you get the courage to really want to step up and lead and say, you know what, if anyone's going to do it, I'm not going to wait around. I, it's going to be me. Uh,
1: that's a great question. Um I think for me that courage comes from a really personal space. Um, I think you're you're. Right. This is going to be a long-winded answer, so I'm I'm sorry in advance. Um,
0: no, 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 no. Don't apologize. <laughs> we want to hear this. And it, I just,
1: um, you know me. I, I'm going to ramble about this for a minute here. Oh yeah, we're ready um, for
0: it. We're ready for it.
1: <laughs> I think for I think for me, the workplace is not. I'm not a wildly different person in the workplace than I am outside of work um, i I tend to be very forthright which you're right is it's not it's not um it can be very sensitive um a work environment can be very sensitive specifically around issues of um, diversity, inclusion, being a minority, being a minority woman, being a parent in the workplace. I think all of these can, can tie together to be like a perfect nutshell, right? And you definitely, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think specifically when you're a, a minority person of color um, in the workplace, you don't want to do anything that that can come off as being negative or that can give people a reason to write you off. I think that is absolutely a concern. Um, And I think you share um, that sentiment with me, even if not that experience.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: I do. (laughs) Thank you, Chase. Um, I think think the big change in my life for me, um, so I I have a daughter. Um, She's six and a half. You've met her. She's a handful. Yep, um, yeah, uh, she is. When I look at her, um, I think she's primarily um, what motivates me to make to make waves in the world, to make the world, to create spaces where people that are younger than me, like I'm going to be gone long before she is, but people that are younger than us are going to have to come into these spaces. Um it's one of the things I respect and admire that you do the fact that you're clearing spaces for other people to be able to voice some of these concerns. So I think as far as um the courage to speak up at work um it comes from knowing that I'm not doing it only for me um It comes from knowing that there are i think specifically during corporate change um for me, stepping up and saying, yeah, I want to be part of this diversity inclusion effort um, was my way of saying, I don't, I, I think everyone has their heart in the right place, but I don't think there is X segment of voices being brought to the table. Um, and yeah. that's, I, that that keeps me going, right? Like, I think, um, I think there's not enough representation from my function, for instance, on the diversity inclusion commission, committee um i think some of it is because everyone in a certain function there are specific functions in a work environment that are drawn to initiatives like diversity and inclusion i think that is that is a very um that is a very limited way and a limiting way to run a diversity and inclusion council. You want people from different functions, not just different races and ethnicities and nationalities and genders and sexualities. You want people from different corporate functions representing too and saying, hey, you know what, from a sales perspective, here is something you need to consider. From a supply chain perspective, if you want diversity in the workplace, you're going to have to consider what that means for a working mom that has to work third shift.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, so
1: I think it is that. I think it's just watching, um, wanting to create a different world for people that will come after us, Um, watching people like you, my peers and and colleagues in action who are Mm -hmm. making the effort to do it, and And feeling a sense of commitment to 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 making sure that different voices are truly represented, I think those are the things that make me involved in whether it's in new or the diversity and inclusion council
0: I love that no, I love it and it's it's so important to be able to remove yourself from your own situation and say like I'm not doing this because of me, right? Like how we were talking about how change might take a long time. Uh-huh. And when I think about why I'm on diversity and inclusion, it's not because of myself. I think I'm in a fine and a very privileged place to be, quite frankly. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. being able to talk with leaders and being able to have my voice heard is something that I take um, very seriously. And I'm very proud of the fact that I've been able to build relationships like that but I want others to be able to do that. I think about my little brother and I just think about how he's in college right now and he's getting ready to go out into the workforce in just a couple of years. And I would hate, absolutely hate for him to join any organization that looks at him any differently because of who he is as a person. And he is a genius, like absolute genius. But just because he has a tattoo, does that make him any different? Absolutely not. Does that take away from his intelligence? No. Right. Right. I, I've met yep. so many minorities that I used to play sports with that I think about don't get the same opportunities as myself. And I'm like, you know what? These guys are really, really, really talented. And quite frankly, some of them could even be better than I am. And actually a lot of them are, can be better than I am, but I was presented with these opportunities because of the situation I was put in. And as grateful as I am today, I would be this to not give that same effort back to everybody that, um doesn't get the same opportunities because of all the people who helped me get to where I am today and I think that you would agree that it's as much as you believe that it's you in an interview and you on your resume and all those different things networking and letters of recommendation and having people in your in your circle and your network that advocate for you is just as important as yep. your interview is and yep. with all that being said like I'm like I need to push to really help get other minorities into our company, other companies, and and really create pipelines through, whether it be HBCUs or any other type of, you know, um, effort within a college to help them become the leaders of tomorrow. Because I believe that I'll be a a leader of tomorrow, whether it's in a white uh, male-dominated industry or not, but I don't want that to be the genetic makeup when I'm leading a company because I want more diverse people working for me, working with me, and helping bring those different ideas. Like like Al Carey said, if it wasn't for that guy who had come up with flaming Hot Cheetos, they might have not made the year that year. And that's – in the CPG industry, making your year in terms of the numbers that you're going to hit is huge. I mean, we stress about it yeah. daily. So yep. I, I love yep. this, Ash. This has been fantastic. And, and I, I'm going to reiterate this multiple times, but thank you so much for taking the time and for allowing us to get a little personal on this, this episode today, because I think it's really important. And I don't think that only millennials are going to listen to this. I think that business leaders are going to listen to this as well. And they're going to realize that there is conversations that are going on. And what they need to do is they need to be intentional about their change. If they need to put goals against it, put goals against it. But, enact those goals stay close to those goals like actually be intentional about those goals because to all the leaders out there if you're not intentional about those goals then you will give the wrong message to your people and it, it's inevitably going to drive a lack of trust and people people who work for you you want them to trust you and you want them to have good faith in you and I, I believe that diversity and inclusion is a great place as a leader to gain trust from those around you that You're willing to make change and that, you know what, you may be a leader who everyone looks to and is very, very admired by and and everybody gets very motivated by you. But if you don't um, value a diversity of thought and inclusion, then you're going to just inevitably miss out on some very, very, very talented individuals.
1: Absolutely, Chase. I couldn't agree more. I think diversity and inclusion is only truly successful when there is intention behind it and when there is true allyship at all levels in the organization, including and up to the leadership team. I think that both of those things, are you're absolutely spot on on those.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And once again, Ash, thank you for joining us. We're going to have to have you back on. Um, you know, I think that there's another topic that I would love to talk about, which is you and your wife, Jenny. Um, guys, i I, I was – I did not mention Jenny in this episode for a reason because I want to have Ash and Jenny back on within the next couple of months to really talk about a couple other topics as long as they're willing. Now, y'all, was that not awesome or what? I mean, Ash is a, she is a force to be reckoned with in the workplace. And it is such a pleasure that I get to actually work with her. Um, Now, don't forget, head over to iTunes, head over to Spotify, head over to SoundCloud, head over to Stitcher Radio, download the the podcast, and make sure to leave us a review and rating. If you like us, shoot, give us five stars. If you don't, give us, you know, maybe four or three and a half stars and tell us what we're doing wrong, what you would like to hear. I want to hear from you guys. Please, I want to hear from you guys. The feedback has been tremendous. And it helps shape this podcast to be as great as it can be for you guys. Because at the end of the day, my job is to make sure that you guys leave with motivation, inspiration, and thoughts to make change in your workplace. And not only that, but to help drive for you to become the best millennial that you could be, the best person that you could be. Forget the fact that we're called millennials, let's just be great people. And with that... I leave every single person with one challenge, and this is a new challenge that I'll end every single podcast episode with, because my dad, when I was growing up, my dad used to always tell us before we left the door, make sure you do one thing good for somebody today. It doesn't matter if you just hold the door open for somebody, tell someone their earrings are nice, tell them you like their shoes, tell them that their socks are nice, compliment them, whatever it may be, but do one thing nice for somebody today. Make their day. I promise you, you have no idea what's going through every single person's mind, At any point in time given throughout the day, they could be having a great day. They could be having a terrible day. But if they're having a bad day or a decent day or just a good day, you could still be the light and the shining light for them. And I challenge you to go out there and do something nice for somebody today. So with that being said, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at underscore Millennial Way. Head to Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's Millennial Talk. And shoot, if you guys ever want to reach out to me, go to It'sMillennialTalk.com and hit on that contact page, shoot me a note. Or shoot, you can always DM me on Instagram at underscore millennial way, Or you can follow me and DM me personally at Chase underscore Coleman. Again, that's Chase underscore Coleman. Y'all, have a great winning Wednesday. Go win the damn day. And let's do the damn thing. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to follow our blog at itsmillennialtalk.com. Follow us on social media at underscore way on Instagram and Twitter.